Welcome to the GenesisChurch.tv podcast with Scott Hunter. I'm your host, lead pastor of Genesis, Scott Hunter. Today's a rebroadcast of week one of our summer series, My Summer Reading List, where I will share powerful stories of the Bible from a different kind of genre each week. Comedy, suspense, mystery, you name it, the Word of God has it. Each story will have a truth applicable to your life, a story that teaches, a story that opens our eyes to a different perspective, a story that rattles us and leads us to change. Now enjoy Jonah, a suspense novel. I just really love a good story, don't you? So for the rest of the summer, that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend time with you sharing a powerful story that comes from a real-life person's example, life, true life experience in the Bible. And each story, each week, is going to be a different genre. Maybe comedy, maybe suspense, maybe mystery, right? Whatever the word's got for us, we're going to give it to you. And so each story has a truth, and it's going to be applicable to your life. I promise it's going to be a story that teaches, a story that maybe opens your eyes and allows you to see a different perspective, a story that rattles us and leads us to change. So today, we're going to take on a story entrenched in suspense, dun, 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 right? Coming from the book of Jonah. If you'll give me a little house lights, because I want people to be able to follow along in their Bibles. Today, we're going to talk about how people have, I think, kind of fixated on Jonah's story that he was swallowed by a fish. Like, and, and the suspense has been, well, will he get out of there, right? But that's that's not the whole point of the story. I think people have missed the point in maybe the heartbeat of the story. Jonah isn't about a whale. It's about people. The actual theme of this book is that God gives people a second chance. Nineveh was a city full of people. They were renowned for cruelty, right? They were, they were known for being evil. And that whole city was given a second chance by God because he sent Jonah to preach. But Jonah also had a second chance because instead of continuing to run away from God and his calling and his mandate, he decided to listen and finally obey God, and he went on to preach to the Ninevites like God told him to do in the first place. Both were given a second chance, and that's the real suspense of this experience, this, this book. Will those involved take the second chance, or will they walk away? Well, Jonah obeys only after he's whale puke, but the result is incredible. It is the greatest recorded revival in the history of humanity. Do you realize that? That comes from the book of Jonah. So I want to give you a story recap if you were unfamiliar with this before we tap into our conversation about what Jonah's job was, which was preaching. So the Ninevites, they were horrible, evil people. Like they, they were crazy. They straight up skinned people from head to toe, and then they would bury them from toes up to neck. And so that's what was left, a skinned head, and they would strategically position these people all around the city gates, and that was the welcome wagon that you walked up to when you walked to the Nineveh gates. Creepy, right? So Jonah feared these lunatics, and he runs from God's order to go and to preach to them, to speak to the Ninevites. Instead, what he does is he gets on a boat and sails to the complete opposite end of where he can get to, which is Tarsus, and it's the total opposite direction of Nineveh if you look on the map. Then a storm brews, and the crew feels like something sketchy is going on. Somebody sends, someone's caused this crazy outbreak to happen out of nowhere, and so they throw Jonah overboard, 
And then gulp, a huge whale-like fish comes and swallows him up inside the belly of that great fish. As most probably would, Jonah comes to grip with what he's done wrong, right? He realizes he's made a mistake. And he comes to terms with his calling. He repents. He says, okay, God, I'm going to go to Nineveh. And then the whale upchucks Jonah to the beach, right? Lands on some sand. And that's where we catch up. We're in chapters uh, or chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3, and we see God's commission to Jonah to go and do what God already originally told him to do in the first place. So look at Jonah 3, 1 through 3 with me. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Everybody say, a second time. Put that in the back of your mind. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. So let's identify some things before we, we hit on really why God sent Jonah in the first place. So therefore, we kind of kind of pick up at this point that, number one, Jonah had a job to do. He had to go reach a culture. And so we can pull from that and say, well, we have to reach our culture. So just like Jonah had to teach the word of God in the proclamation of the Lord, we too must preach the gospel. Everybody say, preach. Oh, golly, Moses, that was sad. Everybody say, preach. preach. Oh, now you in church. All right, all right, all right, all right. God told Jonah, he says, go to Nineveh, and he didn't say, hey, go, go take out an apartment and just live a good Christian life and be a good example of God. No, he says, go to Assyria's capital, and go tell them what I tell you to tell them. Preach to them the message I tell you. Now, when I say preach, and you think, oh, gosh, here we go. Pastor Scott's going to call me to be a preacher. And you're like, I'm going to be screaming on a street corner with a megaphone. It's not what I'm telling you. Right now, I'm, I'm preaching to you, and I'm just simply having a conversation at a table. Like, you don't have to drive a whale into town, right? God says you can speak now through direct messaging, email. You can post things on social media, right? You can have a normal conversation with somebody that you're already in a relationship with. Or you can be chatting it up with someone that God intentionally dropped in your path on a daily basis that you have no clue who they are, but you know that the Lord sent them in your way for a purpose and a reason. See, the emphasis is not on mechanism any longer. It's on content. We're called to verbally communicate the greatness of the good news. The good news is the gospel. It is Jesus' story. We've been called to do that in the Great Commission by Jesus. He says so in all the gospels. He says, go into all the world, quote, unquote, and preach the good news to everyone. Everybody say, everyone. Everyone? Yep, everyone. Who are the ones to go? Well, he was telling his disciples, who are disciples nowadays, any follower of Jesus Christ you, the church. That's our job. That's my job vocationally, but every day, Monday through Saturday, when I'm out on the streets, that's my job. That's your job. In the book of Acts, see the church is kind of turned all the way upside down like it begins when God pours out his spirit upon his followers. And then what happens in Acts 2, 42, it says all the believers, all of them, 
anyone who believed in the way, anyone who believed and said, yes, I accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross for my life, and I accept him as my personal friend and savior. He says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they came to church, right? They got taught. They believed in fellowship, sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and they believed in praying together. Believers got entrenched in the word of God, got entrenched in being part of the church, and then they learned what the word of God said, memorized it, took it to heart, and then they lived it out and said it to others. Why? Because God said, go into all the world and tell everybody about me. Jesus started his ministry as a preacher of the word. Matthew 4, 17 says, from then on, Jesus began to what? What? Repent of your sins, turn to God. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew 10, 7, Jesus told all of his followers, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. So why preach? Well, number two, preaching is God's primary way to reach lost people. If you do not tell them, how will they know? He could send an angelic army to come and like tell people. He could, I don't know, make the rocks cry out because he says if you don't worship him, rocks are going to cry out, right? He could write it across the sky in clouds that he makes and like form little letters repent now surrender dorothy like whatever that's what god could do because he's omnipotent he can do anything but what does he choose who does he choose to use you me instead he chooses you and me people reaching people that's how god chose to make this whole thing happen he chose to reach people using everyday, ordinary, flawed, messed up people like me, like you, who are willing to just faithfully go and share the words of God's truth. Trust me, this is not the plan for my life that I had for my life. It's the plan that God had for my life. Scott Hunter was going to be a star, right? I was going to be the singer. I was going to be the actor. It's what I had done my whole life. My brother was the preacher. Scott was the singer, right? Now look how that turned out, right? I'm a Oh, I love you. You just call me a star. You're my favorite for the day. All right. Sorry, kids. Listen. But, like, look how that turned out, right? So years of listening to my big brother Brian preach, who was a great communicator, I realized that there is so much power in, in verbalizing the gospel. Because I had grown up, yes, you're supposed to share, yeah, you're supposed to witness, blah, 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 blah. But I was like, you're supposed to live a good life out in front of men because that's what scripture says. But that's not all that scripture says. And so I had to learn that it doesn't have to be from a platform or a stage that I'm supposed to be speaking the truth into people's lives, especially my friends who live like hell, that it's a vacation spot they'd like to visit. And eventually, God set me on a path to teach you that there's power in simply proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ to anybody and everybody who will just stop and listen. So why do we preach? Preaching is God's primary way of reaching people who are lost, people who are walking in darkness, people who are clueless spiritually, people who are, are self-imploding and you're watching it happen thinking, oh my gosh, you just need Jesus. But now what is it that you're supposed to preach? Because I hear all the time, like, I don't know how to do that. Don't look at me. That's not my job, right? I hear that all the time. Well, that's not my job. That's your job. This is why, why we pay you. <laughs> well, here's a simple fix to that. Look at Jonah. God said to Jonah, go. He 
He said, go and tell the people the news which I am going to tell you. God did not prep him with a whole lot up front other than go and warn them. Jonah did not have a Bible app. He did not have a leather-bound, beautiful version of the Bible to go and to flip open and begin to quote to people. No, he said, go, and I'm going to tell you and put my words in your mouth. But three, number thing that we have to realize is that to simply preach the message means that you've just got to open up your mouth and, and tell what God has given you. And the word of God has been written down for all of us. We don't have an excuse. Well, I'm scared. I don't know what God's going to tell me. To go with the primary source of truth, right? Y'all didn't know you're going to be end up preachers by the end of this day, did you? Well, you is. All right, look at Jonah 3.2. God says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give you. From what we read in the text, Jonah starts out for Nineveh without actually knowing specifically what he's going to say, how he's going to say it, when he's going to say it. But he knew that when the time came, God would just give him this unction and he would know what to say, when to say it, where to say it, and how to say it. We have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. You are so much more well-equipped to do what Jonah ever thought about doing. Do you understand that? In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three, Paul says, For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. Man, it's a great thing to read the word of God, to memorize the word of God, but if you don't put the word of God into action where God says, go and seek and save the lost, we are missing out on what we are called to do and who we are called to be in this earth. It's, a, it's great to believe it, but it's even better to believe it and obey it and pass it on. Look at Jonah. He was a changed man. You talk about someone who was resurrected from being like on the edge of death. That's this guy, right? He was sucked in by a fish and was like being slowly digested. Good times, right? And then he's like, okay, God, I'm going to go. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. And then it was launched, just puked right out. And so he gets this message. And part of it is empowered in kind of like rejuvenated because he experiencing something that you and I could not even hardly wrap our minds around. It was something indescribable but it's bigger than the whale experience. His story was so much more than, I got swallowed by a whale, and I'm here to tell you something. He experienced the grace of God. That's what resonated with people. He got a second chance. So have you shared your grace experience with someone this week? Because last week I said, mm, God's about to set all of you up as prophets to go and speak to someone that God's going to put in your path. A prophet just literally means to share, to give away God's truth. Did you look for that opportunity this week? Did you open your mouth? Sharing your redemption story, I told you last week, was part of your arsenal, part of your, part of your strategy, just to, to get to the heart of somebody else, to reach others. But the flip side of that, there's, there's a next step. It's teaching the redeeming grace of the gospel, of the truth that Jesus died on a cross, got up out of a grave three days later so that you and I could have eternal life. That's what we really have to get to the point of saying. When it comes to presenting the gospel, the grace of the gospel, the word is not for us to tamper with. You don't got to add to it. You don't got to take things out of it or skip stuff because, well, we think it's going to be offensive. Guess what? The gospel is offensive. You know why? Because it calls us all out on our sin, saying that we've all messed up, that we've all 
fallen short of what God's glorious standard of a right living kind of person should be. It all challenges our sin. We're not going to like that. But the word of God is so much more than just calling you out. The word of God is life-giving. It's life-altering. It's hope-giving. It's forgiveness story relentlessly told to you and to me every day. It's a story of forgiveness and joy and freedom. That's what the, the truth of God's word is. So we don't need to add to it or we don't need to take away from it because we're worried about that it's not going to appeal to somebody. That's not your job. Your job, my job, is simply to deliver it. The fact is that the word of God, the gospel story is raw and it is explosive. Paul says in Romans 1.16 that it has dunamis power. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Not you, not me, the power of God. The word power here is dunamis. You hear me say that, that's Greek. And it literally is where you get the word dynamite from. So when you relay the story of God, it, you're straight up putting TNT underneath your best friend's feet and just watch it, boom, blow away. They're going to be shocked by something, right? Our job is not to make the gospel relevant. It's already eternally relevant. It's relevant today as it was over 2,000 years ago. Need direction? Check. That's what it's there for. Need some peace in your life? Check. Your life is not your own anymore. You need unconditional love? Do you need forgiveness? Do you need to hit a reset button and second chance on your life? Check, check, check. The answer is there, man. Just pick up the word. See, when I sit down to this table as a pastor, I'm not sweating on how can I make today interesting. Like, I don't sit and worry about these things. It's already interesting. The word of God is interesting. It's effective. It's relevant. Some of these stories will blow your mind if you will just digest them and take time to to read them and study them. I make my stories outside of those, I think, trying to make them funny or interesting because it's my life. But God's story, it's already intriguing. My job is just to simply add clarity to things that are complex, to make them understandable by every single person sitting in the room and to make them applicable to our daily walk, our daily life. Not to make scripture appealing. That's not my job. It's already compelling as it possibly can be. The word of God tells us in Hebrews 4.12 that the word is full of living power. The word of God is literally alive and active. It's sharper than the sharpest dagger. It cuts swift and deep into our innermost thoughts and desires with all their parts exposing us for what we really are. I know very well that the message of the Bible will do exactly what God wants it to do. My job is to let the lion out of the pages. See, Jonah, he's one of those that was in this line of, of prophets because before the word of God was written, God would send prophets to go and speak to the people. Here's what I say, right? So the prophets were this big line of people that spoke for God. In other Old Testament books, we've read about Isaiah and Jeremiah. We talked about last week Ezekiel and Daniel I told you the story over and over again of Elijah because he's like my favorite prophet, right? In the book of Acts, we read in the last days, though, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That's my heart, man. 
to watch the younger generations underneath all of us old farts rise up and proclaim the word of God out of their mouth. Man, I, would, I just would love to see that. Do we have prophets like in the old days, in old times? Probably not like how we think of them. Pretty sure people aren't going to be walking around in cloaks like they're Jedi, right? Why? Because the word of God is accessible to every single one of us right now. Do you get that? And that's how God primarily speaks. It's a closed canon. God has said what he wants to say to us. However, in this last series, I said, you're a prophet, you're a prophet, you're a prophet, you're a prophet. Not so you have a title and you sound like a weirdo. No, but God's people are supposed to speak to people. And God speaks to people through his people. You take his word and you speak it. A literal definition of prophesying means to speak for another. Jonah spoke to the culture for God. You are God's representation on this earth to speak to your culture right now. You are the prophet. You are the spokesperson for God. You are his mouthpiece, Scripture says, on this earth. What are you waiting for? The time is now. So we get the what. Like We get that we're supposed to speak out, like we're supposed to go seek and save the lost, but the problem is how. How do we pull something from Jonah's story and make us understand like the, the how-to? Like how can we become God's spokesperson? Because that rattles a lot of us. Here, here's the first thing that I want to do with you today is tell you number one. First off, to preach the word of God, to speak the word of God, you got to remember God's representative is usually an ordinary person. That's you, that's me. So ditch that pressure. Ditch the pressure to be good enough perfect enough? That should feel like a relief, right? There's nothing special about me other than my dashingly good looks. Psych. Listen, I'm regular old me. You're regular old you. And God goes out of his way to use regular, typical, walking around kind of people to share his message. Why? So that he gets the glory, not us. God is not looking for the complete and utter fearless person or the flawless person, otherwise there would be nobody to speak the message because there's nobody like that on earth. Jonah's story shows us that second chance people are the people that God typically uses. So why not you? Well, Pastor Scott, I can't, I can't. Really, you can't? Think about Elijah, the guy that just called down fire from heaven. The very next moment, he's running because Jezebel says, I'm going to put a hit out on your head. He takes off. Literally just watch fire from heaven, like bail up, like, like light fire to all like these fake gods and kill all these false prophets. And the next moment, because someone threatens his life, he, he hides and runs away. You don't think that God gave Elijah a second chance? James tells us, Elijah's I love this, 5.17, Elijah was as completely human as we are. Even these great prophets that we think are like, oh my gosh, it's Elijah. Yeah, it was Elijah, and it says he was completely human as we are, meaning he wrestled with the same things, he worried about the same things, he got scared and took off when some mad woman was crazy and mean and like super evil was like, I'm going to kill you. He's like, okay, bye, peace out, Right? Because that's the normal response that humanity will have. 
Even Jesus said in Matthew 13, 57, a prophet is, uh, is honored everywhere, except in his own country, among his own people. So even God himself had this struggle. Jesus Christ seemed ordinary to his hometown. They saw him as the kid, the kid like carpenter's son, right? They did not believe his message. They didn't believe he was God. They saw Jesus as the local boy who just acquired fame. The fact is, the hardest people that you'll probably ever have to reach are the ones closest to you, are your family members, ones living in your home. Even Jesus didn't effectively reach his family until after he had died and rose again. Read the Gospels. Not one of Jesus' 12 were one of his brothers. Bottom line, a person who speaks for God, most likely ordinary, common, someone that might have had a second chance, or somebody that was overlooked by those around them, or even scorned by others like Jesus. That's just the right setup for God the Father. Outside of Jesus Christ, we are not the ones who are important to the story. Why? Number two, God's representative is speaking for someone else. Him. Him. The words you share are not your own. Will you say that with me? The words I share are not my own. Say it again. The words I share are not my own. You just proved my point. You can do it. You took my words, you repeated them to dozens of people sitting in this room and online. You shared them with your friends, your family, and complete strangers. Well done. Good job. See? We're not God's editors. <laughs> We're not God's writers. We're just as messengers. We're the delivery men. We're the delivery women. It is his message. It is his story. So if it is rejected, you can't take it personally. And in the same way, if it's accepted, guess what? We can't take credit for it. It might hurt when someone rejects your Jesus because why? You love him. You love him. In the same way, when someone gives their life to Christ, you know, you're going to get filled with like ecstatic joy, put a little pep, little dance inside you, right? When someone becomes, when they become a, a Christ follower, why? Because you know how awesome it is to have a personal everyday relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can't wait to see what happens in their faith journey next. Like it gets exciting, but we can't take credit for any of that. Regardless, it's simply our job to speak on his behalf, his message. Now I know that scares the mess out of most of us, right? But if a 17-year-old can do it, so can you. My kid Addison shocked the daylights out of me last week. I'm walking up the stage, getting ready to pray, to go into the message, and then she opens up her mouth. And Stephanie Gallego said to my wife, oh no, is what I thought. And then Addison started speaking and she said, oh yes. Addie opened up her mouth because God told her to and he put a message on her lips to speak. He told a message of the cross to an entire church of people. If she can do it, you can do it. Is Addison a speechwriter for God? Nope. She's a senior in high school, and she's definitely not a speechwriter. <laughs> I see her language arts grades. But she loves the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
and she cares about the lost and people that hurt. See, that's the perfect combination. Trust me, if people can sense that you care, they will stop and they will listen to what you say. If you preach with authenticity and passion, people will at least listen to you. Addison was just simply obedient and brave enough to open up her mouth and share the hope that she had found. I'm not sure what she said led someone to Christ, but after the message, lives got turned over to Christ. She paved the way. She didn't save them. She led them to him. I didn't save them. I led those people last week to the cross. I can't save them. He saved them. It was the message of Jesus' cross that gripped the hearts of people sitting in this room and watching online. And that leads me to my last point, like the what if. Like, well, what if I say something and my message falls flat? Or what if I mess up and I say the wrong thing? Or what if, or what if, or what if I, shh. <laughs> we have to recognize the results are not up to us. We are not responsible for how somebody else is going to respond. Does that make sense? It's God's job to save people. It's the Holy Spirit's job to draw them to Jesus Christ. That's his primary role. That's his primary activity on this earth. That's not our job. We just have to deliver the message. The simple fact is that God does not require your success in reaching. He requires your faithfulness in speaking. Period. You share the message that you've been entrusted to. To, to leave the rest into God's hands means that you've done your job. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you. He's going to give you the words to say, just like he did Jonah. Jonah 3.4 says, on the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Encouraging, huh? Right? Thanks, Jonah. Uh, but he was speaking the truth, and he was doing what God told him to say. God was going to judge this entire city for, for their evilness, right? So he was allowing them, though, also 40 days to turn, to experience grace. He gave them 40 days to cry out. That's still his message to our culture. Turn to me and you will be saved. The truth of the gospel still remains. John 3.16 is still a thing. For this is how God loved the world. He gave up his one and his only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. Paul says the same thing in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin, the cost of sin equals death. What we have done should give us the wage, the cost of having to pay for it with our lives. But the free gift of God, though, happened when Jesus Christ stepped in and allows you to experience eternal life through him, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, we are all in need of salvation. And our sin is, gonna what, is the thing that's going to keep you separated from God until you spiritually die. But oh, if you just accept him, you would just hear the story, and we too would take that second chance. Then you get eternal life with Christ. You're never separated. You're never lost. Even in this dark world, you're the one that's always walking in light. And you're living life to the fullest now, and you will be the one in the world to come that gets to live life and life more abundantly.
Why? Because you just found Jesus and you took him at his word. Whoever finds Christ finds life. Jonah 3.5 says, the people of Nineveh believed in God's message and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. See, Nineveh turned to God. They found forgiveness. They found grace. They found a life. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say they believed Jonah. It says they believed God. The greatest revival ever recorded happened because a man delivered a message, a word that people did not want to hear. You're going to go down in 40 days. Nobody wants to hear that. But an entire city the size of Jacksonville, Florida, turned to God all at once and changed their ways. If God can bring a massive revival of almost one million people through one single person sharing that kind of message, yelling doom for 40 days in the streets, just imagine what he can do through you, through one, with the ultimate story of hope and second chance at life with Jesus Christ. We have the greatest story in the world to tell. You have the story of Jesus. You have the secret to everlasting life. The gospel literally means good news. The good news, the gospel in a nutshell is that we're sinners. No matter if we think that we are good, we're not good in comparison of God's standard, of God's holiness. So we all need to be forgiven. And Jesus came to this earth, wrapped himself in human form to die for those sins, to save us. Because he loved us. And he takes us in that moment just like we are. He died and three days later got out of the grave so that we could be in a relationship with a risen, alive Savior. Now and for eternity. That's all you've got to share. Romans 5, 6 through 9 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though, or would, uh, some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So, not upright, not really, really good sinners. And since we've been made right with God by the sight of the Lord, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we will certainly be saved from God's condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've allowed into your life, when you come into relationship with Christ, you're forgiven, you're free. The old is gone, the new life has begun. That's the gospel. When we were utterly helpless, meaning we had nothing to offer God, God decided to love us. He chose to love us. What a message, man. How powerful of a story can you get? Just like Jonah reached this godless culture for the Lord, you and I can reach our culture now if we're just willing to open up and share this message of hope and love and salvation and grace. That is the gospel. You don't have to have all the answers. You have to tell your story, and you have to tell his story. That's it. The question is, are you going to be willing to speak it when the time is right, when God says, it's time, open up your mouth. Share your story, share my story. 
I hope you will. Because somebody else's life depends on it. This has been another podcast of GenesisChurch.tv with Scott Hunter, lead pastor of Genesis Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Tune in each Sunday at 929 or 1101 on YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook, and live.genesischurch.tv or visit us in person at 4070 Mission Road here in Tallahassee. Catch us for weekly messages and midweek interviews and encouragement here on the GenesisChurch.tv podcast.